Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Miss McGill is out at Pennsylvania University. And uh, the question at this point that everybody's asking is what will become of, of Gay at Harvard and Kornbluth at MIT? Uh, we'll address those questions next on the Dean's List. Thank you for joining me on America Out Loud Talk Radio. So she just couldn't handle the pressure. Miss McGill, uh, Lady Penn, as we affectionately refer to her, has uh, she's out Saturday. She issued, let's see, she issued this statement. This uh, this statement came from uh, President Liz McGill. This is a statement from the university. President Liz McGill has voluntarily tendered her resignation as president of the University of Pennsylvania. This was from Scott L. Bach, chairman of the Board of Trustees. Uh, He did say, he he did note in his letter, uh, oddly enough, that she would remain a tenured faculty member at the law school, the Penn Carey Law School. So she's not president, you know, but they're still keeping her on staff. Hmm. Okay. We're going to address that in a minute. Uh, So uh, here's McGill's statement. It has been my privilege to serve as president of this remarkable institution. It has been an honor to work with our faculty, students, staff, alumni, and community members to advance Penn's vital missions. Okay. So um, what are Penn's vital missions? That's what we're all wondering. Uh, And I think... uh, I think they're pretty clear what their their vital missions are. I mean, she's still staying on. She's she is uh, you know, she's still on the premises. So is it is it clear to everyone what the vital missions of Penn are? Hmm. So after her her condemning testimony, and by the way, we'll get to the other two ladies in a minute. Uh, we'll get to Gay and Cornbluth in just a second, but let's just focus on, on Lady Pence. She is the one who who uh, resigned. After her testimony, the, uh, the, the Wharton Advisory Board uh, demanded in a letter that, that she step down. So uh, Wharton is the business school at the University of Pennsylvania. I think President Trump has made it famous. He's let everybody know that he went to Wharton. Uh, it is his alma mater. And the advisory board at Wharton sent a letter to McGill and to the trustees. And here's what their letter said. As a result of the university leadership's stated beliefs and collective failure to act, our board respectively suggests to you and the board of trustees that the university requires new leadership with immediate effect. All right, so that is there. That's Wharton's uh, way of saying, uh, you need to step down, McGill. And if you don't voluntarily step down, the Board of Trustees needs to remove you. This has got to happen. Their letter continues. In light of your testimony yesterday before Congress, we demand the university clarify its position regarding any call for harm to any group of people immediately change any policies that allow such conduct with immediate effect 
and discipline any offenders expeditiously. All right, so the interesting part of this letter is uh, the board is demanding the university clarify its position, uh, you know, regarding for the call of harm of any group, you know, and, and, you know, they didn't specifically say Jews here, but obviously that's what we're talking about. Uh, they want clarification from the board of trustees. And then they demand that any policies that would allow such conduct to be changed immediately. All right. So what did uh, what did McGill say in her testimony? She, when Stefanik asked all three of these ladies the same question, by the way, uh, but specifically she said to McGill, Miss McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct, yes or no? And then after five seconds of struggling, you know, to find an answer, uh, you know, Lady Penn looked like she was a deer caught in the headlights. She's just, you know, kind of staring. And you can just see the wheels turning. What do I say? What do I say? What do I say? And her reply is, if the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. And this was appalling to many people. And, of course, Elise Stefanik says, so are you saying that if if the call for genocide becomes genocide, and then at that point it'll be harassment? So it's not harassment if they're just calling for it, but when it actually becomes genocide. Uh, and then uh, McGill just began to you know go to her talking points, which were uh, you know something to the effect of anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. I mean, she repeated that time after time after time. Anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. Uh, you know, why not just, just truthfully answer the question? Unless she was truthfully answering the question. And I think this is, you know, this is what we've come to now, at least in our questioning. Because the letter from Wharton said, uh, we demand the university clarify its position on this. All right, this is coming from the leadership, the top dog, the head honcho at, at Pennsylvania University is saying that, uh, you know, uh, if it, we have to decide if it's, if it's actual harassment or not, depending on the context. The actual language itself is not uh, harassment. That's what they're saying. Uh, and so, you know, Wharton, you know, wants clarification. You know, what is the university's position? What does the, the, the university have to say about it? Uh, you know, why isn't Penn clarifying their position? Uh, President Liz McGill, again, here's the statement from the, uh, the chairman of the Board of Trustees at Penn. President Liz McGill has voluntarily tendered her resignation as president of the University of Pennsylvania. She will remain a tenured faculty member at Penn Carey Law. So there's no punishment here from the board. The, the, the board of trustees at Penn, they are not punishing McGill for her statement. If they were punishing her, it, you know, they would have removed her from president and they would remove her from her position as a, as a law professor. That, you know, they gave her the option to step down as president. And I'm questioning here. 
Had she not stepped down, would they have removed her? I think that's a fair question. They didn't remove her from being a, a law professor. So I, I think Wharton's, I think the advisory board at Wharton, uh, I think their their demands here have not been satisfied. Because part of their demands is we demand the uh, we demand the university clarify its position regarding any call for harm to any group of people immediately, and in their statement, I did not hear a clarification of their position. Uh, they're just telling us, you know, what happened, and they're telling us that, uh, you know, Miss McGill has stepped down. Miss McGill has done the honorable thing, and she's removed herself from being president of the vaunted Pennsylvania University. Uh, okay, I mean, great, you know, but where's the punishment? Unless, you know, we have to wonder what does the leadership at Pennsylvania University actually feel about this issue? Is is she just repeating the beliefs of the leadership there? Are, are these, so her answer, Again, after after staring into the camera blankly, she says, if the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. So instead of just saying, yes, it's harassment, she gives us this, this contextual answer, uh, this, this spin. And then she continues to, to the talking points. Anti-Semitism has no place at Penn. It, you know, so the question is, is this what she truly believes? And I think that question has to be um, asked further to the entire leadership at Penn. Is this what the whole, uh, I mean, how about the board of trustees? What do they believe? Uh, what's their stance on this? Because the, the Wharton Advisory Board is demanding clarification. And up to this point, I've not seen it. Up to this point, we have not seen any clarification come from the advisory board. Now, after Wharton issued this letter, uh, the board of trustees uh, held an emergency meeting on Thursday. And then on Saturday, so we're just following the timeline, then on Saturday, Lady Penn decides to uh, to resign. So, but, but the board is going to allow her to remain in her position. Even after her appalling statements, the, the Board of Trustees allows her to, to keep a job there. They're allowing her to stay in some type of leadership role. So, uh, I mean, to me, Wharton's, Wharton's demand to, to have the university clarify its position regarding any call for harm to any group of people immediately has not been answered. And I think it needs to be answered. I think it needs to be addressed. Additionally, uh, attorneys for Ross Stevens, who's the founder and CEO of Stone Ridge Asset Management, sent a letter. Uh, and, and their letter said, Mr. Stevens and Stone Ridge are appalled by the university's stance on anti-Semitism on campus. So he's not even saying that this is Ms. McGill's stance. He says this is the university's stance. As president, Ms. McGill obviously speaks for the university. This letter continues. 
Its permissive approach to hate speech, calling for violence against Jews and laissez-faire attitude toward harassment and discrimination against Jewish students, would violate any policies or rules that prohibit harassment and discrimination based on religion, including those of Stone Ridge. Absent a change in leadership and values at Penn in the very near future, I plan to resent Penn's Stone Ridge shares to prevent any further reputational and other damage to Stone Ridge as a result of our relationship with Penn and Liz McGill. Uh, uh, Stevens, his attorney, sent this letter out on Thursday. So uh, he's the founder and CEO of Stone Ridge Asset Management. He did uh, withdraw $100 million. Uh, He... Uh, he donated a hundred million dollar donation. He made a hundred million dollar donation, and then he uh, he withdrew that. And then in his letter, he said he's going to pull out completely, absent a change in leadership and values. So notice he didn't. He just didn't say absent a change in leadership. He said absent a change in leadership and values. So. My question is, just getting rid of Ms. McGill as president or allowing her to resign, but allowing her then to stay on as a tenured law professor, has Penn really changed its values? What's the value system at at Penn? I think that's, that is a noteworthy question. Uh, it, it would appear to me that the board of trustees and the actual leadership of the university are just wanting all this to blow over. You know, I'll, come on, you know, McGill just resigned. You, you can still you know, keep your you know position as a professor. We're still going to pay up the wazoo. I mean, you know, it, you're fine financially. You're, let's just let this blow over. You take one for the team and then, you know, we're just going to we'll keep doing what we're doing, obviously. I mean, that's what it says to me. That's that's to, to me. That's that's what's happening here. Uh, they're just going to hopefully let this thing blow over. I've not seen any statement from the Board of Trustees addressing uh, Wharton's demands that the university clarify their position. Uh, and I'm not seeing any uh, change in values that, um, uh, what's his name here? Ross Stevens is demanding. Yeah, there's been a change in leadership. Although she's decided to stay on, they're allowing her to stay on until an interim is found. Uh, You know, she should be she should be removed immediately. And an interim should step in immediately. She should not be allowed to stick around until an interim president is found. And she should not be allowed to. Dean, are you saying she she can't work? I mean, she's got to work. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone, I guess, is entitled to to work. Uh, you know, but if if you're the university and you are, you know, wanting to convince the public that you are not a, a university leadership that is full of anti semites, do you uh, allow this person who has this opinion to stick around? Or is it actually the the opinion of the leadership, not just her opinion, 
but is it is it the opinion of everybody at Penn? I think those are legitimate questions. Uh, I, I don't think we should be satisfied with with what happened on Saturday here at, at Penn. I, I mean, I'm not satisfied. Um, you know, and I'm not all about, you know, people should be fired and, you know, but in this case, yes. Uh, I, I think that the statements, if if your school leadership believes this, then you need a change in leadership. But obviously, I mean, to me, it appears that the entire leadership across the board has this this point of view. If that's the case, um, parents, I would not I would not send my, my my kid to Penn. My kid would not go to Pennsylvania University, at least not now, not until not until the entire board of trustees addresses the issue. Uh, and the issue that both uh, Ross and the Wharton Board of Advisors have have put out, and that's you know what's your position, what are your values? Uh, are, are we going to see a change in values, or is this going to be the same old thing, except under a, a different name, under a different person? I mean, she's there until an interim is found. So is she involved in the in the selecting process? Does she get to handpick her 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 successor? This just doesn't seem like the university is upset about this. I, I don't get the opinion that the unit that the that the university is angry and that they're going to do everything they can to 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 clean house and get rid of this um, of this uh, heinous attitude. I, I, I'm not seeing it. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but here at the onset, it just doesn't. It's not jumping out to me. All right, uh, we'll pick it up on the other side of this break. We're up against it. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within supporting your immune and respiratory systems, and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. 
Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. And, of course, you can listen at americaoutloud.news on the world-class media player live. Or you can download the America Out Loud Talk Radio app, and there you can listen live. And that app is for your, your Apple, your Android, and even for Alexa. Of course, every show goes into podcast, usually within 24 hours. So we're out there. You can uh, you can find us. So thank you for, for being on board. Thank you for joining us today. I don't want to sound ungrateful. Uh, you know, obviously, the things that those university presidents said uh, and, and the opinion, I think, the collective opinion of the country, we're just amazed. We're appalled. Uh, we, we do find their answers despicable. I do. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to come across as ungrateful that one of them has done the right thing and has stepped down. You know, I, I said she should do the honorable thing and resign immediately. But I said that about all three of them, you know, based upon their inability to just simply answer the question, you know, with a firm yes, because it's obvious to America that those types of statements are um, harassment. The, the, the statement itself is harassment. It's not, you know, it's not about context. It's not about the context that the statement is made. Mm -mm. No, it's not about if the statement becomes conduct or not. No, the, the statement itself is harassment. And I think that's what every intelligent human being is going to look at and, and say, yes, I agree that the statement itself is harassment. So all three of these ladies need to step down. My fear, and I don't know if it's maybe fear isn't the right word, my expectation. My expectation is that McGill, you know, takes one on, on the chin for the for the entire group. She steps down. Uh, she still gets to keep her professorship, you know, and this whole thing blows over. But that to me isn't enough. I don't think the whole thing should should blow over. I think the advisory board at Wharton needs to keep the heat turned up on the, the board of trustees at Penn because the, the advisory board actually demanded four things. Their first, the first thing they demanded in their letter to McGill and the board of trustees was new leadership. All right, that's happening. Yeah, but I question, is it happening? Is, is new leadership actually taking place? If, if since the board did not fire her immediately on the spot, the board is allowing her to stay on until an interim is found, and the board is allowing her to remain on campus in her in her uh, professorship position. Are we actually getting new leadership? Yes, we're getting a new person, but uh, you know Wharton didn't demand a new person; they demanded new leadership. 
and just changing the individual, I don't know that we're getting new leadership because I I don't know where this board of trustees stands. And this is Wharton's, Wharton's second demand. They said, uh, we demand that the university clarify its position uh, specifically. Their specific language was, we demand the university clarify its position regarding any call for harm to any group of people immediately. Have we seen that yet? Has, has anyone out there? I haven't seen it. You know, so until the university clarifies their position, I don't know that we're getting new leadership. I don't know that a new person uh, satisfies their demand of new leadership. Their third demand is that uh, there be a change in any policies that would allow this conduct with immediate effect. Change the, change any policies immediately. Uh, the other day we went over we went over the the policies at Penn. Do I still have those here? I don't know if I still have them. I don't think I do, but I read to you. <laughs> oh, hang on. Yeah, I've got something here. The Penn policy prohibiting workplace violence. Okay, here's what it says. At Penn, and you can find this on their website. At Penn, we work hard to ensure that we maintain a safe and secure environment in which to live, work, and study. Okay, that's good. It's really good. Workplace violence is defined as any violent behavior or threat of violent behavior that would cause harm or reasonable fear of physical harm to a member or guest of the university community. Uh, I would think shouts of uh, intifada are going to, uh, would qualify as a threat of violent behavior. Okay, I, I I would think that McGill said, uh, if if the shouts become conduct, if if the calls for for Jewish uh, genocide become conduct, well, her statements are in violation of of the of the university's policy, which uh, makes it pretty clear that any threat of violent behavior that would cause harm or reasonable fear of physical harm. I mean that that goes against their policy. So. You know, the demand here by Wharton that they're changing any policies, I, I don't know that the policies need to change. But then I, I think the people in charge were in violation of the policy. And then that leads us to their fourth demand, which is discipline the offenders. Well, you know, allowing McGill to resign on her own terms and then allowing her to stay on until an interim is found and allowing her to keep her, her her tenured professorship, does that really does that look like disciplining the offenders to you? It doesn't to me. I, I don't see a discipline of offenders. Uh, Ross's letter, in in when Ross Stevens, he demanded two things, or he was going to pull out all his funds. Change in leadership and change in values. So he got he got more specific. And again, I don't know that we're seeing a change in leadership because I don't know that we're seeing a change in values. I don't think you have a change in leadership until you have a change in values or until you uh, 
until you address Wharton's second demand, which was the university needs to clarify its position on this matter. Until we hear from the university what their position is, I don't think we have, um, I don't think we've really gotten to the heart of the matter. And it's it's my prediction that this whole thing's just going to get swept under the rug, rug and nothing changes. That's my prediction. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope my prediction doesn't come true. But until the university stands up and clarifies its position, until the university addresses Wharton's second point, Wharton's second demand, I think we are uh, we're just going to see this thing get get swept under the rug. Uh, McGill's going to take one for the team. Uh, Gay and Cornbluth are going to, you know, what's going to happen to Gay and Cornbluth? Are they just going to get off, you know, scot-free over here? Because their answers uh, were were pretty much the same. Okay, it was it was McGill who said if the speech turns into conduct. Now, it, both Cornbluth and Gay said, or, or specifically. Cornbluth said, if targeted individuals not making public statement. So the question again, uh, Cornbluth at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Simple question. Cornbluth says, if targeted individuals not making public statement. So, you know, she didn't really speak in a complete sentence there. What she meant to say is, yes, it's harassment if it's directed at a at a person. It's not harassment if you're just making a public statement. Well, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cornbluth, but that that's not um, you know that's not what the MIT code of conduct says. Uh, I, I I mean I, I have it here. You can go to the website and find it. It says. All members of the MIT community are expected to conduct themselves with professionalism, personal integrity, and respect for the rights, differences, and dignity of others. These standards of personal conduct apply to all communications, whether oral, oral, written, or in gestures. All communication. Cornbluth, it doesn't uh, specify that the communication uh, is distinguished between speaking to someone directly or speaking it just as a public statement, you know, just out in the ether. Uh, you know, so Cornbluth is in violation of the MIT Code of Conduct by her own admission. Uh, where are the calls for, for Cornbluth's job? Where are the donors? Where are the big MIT donors? Uh, demanding uh, new leadership, demanding that MIT clarify their position, demanding a change in any necessary policies, and then demanding that the offenders be disciplined. Uh, the crickets, the silence. I mean, we're not hearing anything about MIT. Not a thing. Oh, uh, okay. What about Harvard? I mean, Dr. Gay. Her her response was was pretty much the same. When that question was asked of her, she said, it can be depending on the context. In other words, it, it, it can be harassment 
depending on the context. And then Stefanik said, well, well, what's the context, Dr. Gay? What's the context here? And she said, targeted as an individual. So she basically repeated what, what Kornbluth repeated. I mean, you know, it, it can be, not it will be, not absolutely it will be. It, I mean, it can be if it's, if it's you know, targeted to an individual. You know, but I mean, otherwise, you know, the implication here is, I mean, otherwise, if it's just, you know, if it's just someone out there talking, I mean, no, it's going to be fine. I mean, it's it's no big deal. (laughs) Now, I I, I looked for the Harvard Code of Conduct, couldn't find it. I mean, it's buried somewhere. If they have it on their website, it's buried. I mean, they probably don't want people to see it because, you know, any average person like myself can go to the go to their website, pull up their policies, and then compare the policy to their answer. I mean, the Penn policy doesn't match what Lady Penn said. And the MIT policy doesn't match what Kornbluth said. You know, so I'm sure Dr. K doesn't want anyone matching the Harvard policy. I mean, that's probably not it. I mean, it's up there somewhere. You just have to have a... um, you know, a degree in rocket science to find it, I guess. So, I mean, ultimately, while yes, um, on the surface, you know, McGill has done the right thing to step down. But again, that's just, I, in my opinion, it's just surface level. As Rush used to say, this is symbolism over substance. Symbolically, uh, McGill has taken one for the team. Substantively, though, I don't know that we're seeing anything different here. Until, until the the Wharton Advisory Board gets answers. Until uh, Ross Stevens is that his name? Stevens. I don't. I don't want to destroy this guy's name. Yes, Ross Stevens. Until Ross Stevens, until his demands get answers, I don't know that we're seeing anything of of substance here. This isn't enough. I just that's my point. I don't mean to sound like an ingrate and, and that I'm not happy with the results, but I'm not happy with the results. It's not enough. I don't know that we're going to see any actual change. That's my point. And I think we need to see some actual change. I think we need uh, the University of Pennsylvania to clarify their positions. And I, I want to hear from Harvard. I, I want to hear from MIT. Where are the... Uh, Harvard donors. Now, there is, what's his name? I don't know that I have that article in front of me. The guy who, uh, who's been demanding that Harvard change their ways as of late. Uh, he's the, um, I mean, he's the billionaire. I mean, we've talked about him at length here. Uh, he has been applying some pressure uh, to President Gay and and demanding that you know that that she answer you know her her waffling and 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 Harvard's approach to free speech. Let me see if I can pull that article up. Got it. Bill Ackman, that's his name. Uh, the hedge fund magnet, Bill Ackman. So uh, he you know recently he writes this public letter you know to Gay. Uh, you know, calling her out for, quote, effectively excommunicating epidemiologist Tyler Vanderweel. Now, why would she 
excommunicate epidemiologist Tyler Vanderweel, you ask? Well, according to Ackman, uh, she's done it because of Vanderweel's traditional, uh, because his his stance and his point of view on traditional marriage and uh, pro-life. Okay, he believes in life. He's not an abortion guy. He's not a death guy. And he believes in the traditional definition of marriage, which is marriage between a man and a woman. Tyler Vanderweel. And um, Ackman is saying, you know, gay is, you know, effectively excommunicating him because of his beliefs. And then in his letter, he says that gay has... Uh, forced evolutionary biologist Carol Hooven to resign because she has publicly said sex is biological and binary. Now, there's just there's just two genders here, kids. There's male and there's female. And Tyler Vanderweel believes that traditional marriage is defined as marriage between a male and a female between the two binary sexes. Uh, you know, and so at this hearing, uh, who was the representative? Uh, I think it was our guy from Michigan. Yes, Tim Wahlberg, the pride of Michigan, the Republican from Michigan. He says to Gay, uh, in what world is a call for violence against Jews protected speech? but a belief that sex is biological and binary is not protected speech. Okay. You know, how is this, you know, call for genocide? It's, you know, it, it's not harassment, you know, uh, if it's just out there spoken, I mean, you can call for, you know, intifada all day long. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So, uh, you know, we have Ackman calling her out. Uh, I, I, I want to see Ackman demanding the same thing that um, Ross Stevens and, and the Wharton board are demanding. You know, now I, I've, I've not and maybe he has and maybe I've just missed it. And and I would expect Ackman to be calling for, for Gay's you know, position here at this point and demanding that the university clarify their position and demanding a change in leadership. All right. We're up against it yet again. We'll pick it up on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Change in the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. natural colon cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with oxy powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why oxy powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. 
Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board. And so, uh, how's everybody feeling? <laughs> are you doing okay? Everybody out there hanging in there? Are you, uh, how's your regiment? How is your flu season regiment coming along? You know, I've I've told you countless times, and I'll I'll keep saying it. Part of your 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 flu defense, part of the regimen of your flu defense has to be Copix RX. I mean, that's my that's my suggestion. That's my anecdotal advice to you. Not medical, just anecdotal. Copix RX, throat and nasal spray. Uh, you know, even this past weekend, I felt myself you know, going down again, you know, the ship's sinking and I just loaded up on it, uh, the throat and the nasal spray. And, and I've come out of it. I've come out of it feeling good. I can tell when I'm going down. I can tell when it's happening. And, uh, you know, I've said this repeatedly last year. I mean, I got my high knee kicked. I went down three times through the course of the school year. And this year I'm just, I'm not standing for it. I'm not going to let it happen. When I feel my when I feel myself going down, I, I pull out the throat and nasal spray, and uh, yeah, you know it's getting it done. I just I don't know what else to say except I love it. I love it, and I'm going to keep using it because I'm not going down this year. Uh, you know I'm I'm around little kids all day long. I mean a slew of them. You know they're coughing, they're hacking, they're snotting. There I am, just in the middle of it. Uh, I mean, I'm not surrounded by them, you know, constantly every minute of the day, but you know, they're in the building and I want to stay healthy. I, and I, and I, I, I firmly believe anecdotally that Cofix RX has, uh, has, has bailed me out the throat and nasal spray. If you use coupon code OUTLOUD25, uh, you will get 25% off. I mean, that is a fantastic deal for a fantastic product. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD25 for 25% off. All right. Just want you to stay healthy. That's all. I just want you to stay with us. So, you know, we're we're, we're talking about the, the resigning of Lady Penn on Saturday. Miss McGill, she has resigned. And really, it's my expectation. And it's unfortunate that I have this expectation. I wish I didn't, but it's my expectation that she's taken one for the team and this whole thing gets swept under the rug and everybody forgets about it. Um, I don't know where the calls are for Cornbluth and for Gay. You know, where are the where are the articles coming out that, you know, uh, you know, people are demanding their their resignation. I, I expect I really do. I expect maybe uh, Bill Ackman and, and others to come out against Gay. And 
And I hope that others come out against Kornbluth because I think all three of these ladies uh, need, they just need to be removed. I mean, one of them, yes. You know, but to me, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the, the university is changing its values. It just, I don't have that feel about it. Um, you know, again, the Wharton Advisory Board and their letter to the Board of Trustees and Ms. McGill demanded four things. Number one, they demanded new leadership. Uh, number two, they demanded that the university clarify its position. Number three, they demanded a change in policies if 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 needed. And number four, a discipline of the offenders. And I don't know that we're seeing any of this. Ms. McGill resigned on her own. She's allowed to stay in her position until an, an interim has been found. I mean, is that really a change in leadership? The university has yet to clarify their position. You know, and really that's the leadership of the university right, right there. If the, the board needs to clarify their position, that'll tell us what the leadership is. Uh, just a person, changing a person, in my opinion, is not changing the leadership at Penn. And, and the leadership at Penn needs to be changed. And what's sad here, really, is that we're even questioning that that this is the leadership at Penn, that this these are their values. And that's what Ross Stevens said. He wanted to know, uh, or, or he said, I, I also want to have a change in leadership and also a change in values. So what are the values of the university? Uh, did you know that uh, Pennsylvania University it was founded by Ben Franklin. I mean, think of the history there. You know, Benjamin Blooming Franklin founded your university. And now we're to this point where we're questioning your values on anti-Semitism. That is, I mean, to me, it's shameful that, that the university has now become this. And it's the leadership. It's not this one president. It's not Miss McGill. It's the leadership of the university. I mean, that's what's at issue here. Until the leadership clarifies their position on, on this stance, I don't think we're going to see uh, uh, any changes. I think just getting a new person to fill the role isn't enough, especially when Miss McGill is going to be there until an interim is found. Is she going to be involved in that process? That's my question. And even if she's not, this board that is allowing her to stay on in her position, you know, it seems to me that they all are of the same opinion here. So, as I said, you know, Benjamin Franklin founded Pennsylvania University. He was the governor of Pennsylvania. Um, and he was, you know, he spearheaded this this whole thing. He, he believed in, in education, and he was concerned about, about education of the kids. August 23rd, 1750, this is a letter or a part of a letter that Franklin wrote to Dr. Samuel Johnson. He was the first president of King's College, which is now Columbia. And this letter is regarding the education of the young people, and here's what he says. I think with you that nothing is of more importance for the public than to form and train up youth in wisdom and virtue. 
you you think that's still the policy at, at Penn? Is that the policy at Harvard? Is that the policy at MIT? That the most important thing for the public is that the kids are trained in wisdom and virtue. It doesn't appear to me that that's the thing. I mean, if your policy is, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, calls for for the genocide of the Jewish people, I mean, it might be harassment. It depends on the context. I mean, I don't think the leadership anymore is operating in wisdom and virtue. And therefore, the kids aren't, aren't being trained in wisdom and virtue. You know, they're not punishing these groups that are that are you know protesting this garbage on their campuses. Franklin's letter continues. I think also general virtue is more probably to be expected and obtained from the education of youth than from the exhortation of adult persons. Bad habits and vices of the mind being like diseases of the body more easily prevented than cured. Holy smokes, if that there is there is a plethora of wisdom in that statement. Yeah, that at at college, at, at universities, wisdom and virtue needs to be the foundation. Uh, because bad habits and vices uh, are more easily prevented than cured. I mean, if you can prevent them, if you can if you can teach the kids wisdom and virtue and drive out of them the bad habits and the vices, prevent the bad habits and the vices from, from taking hold. Uh, you know, preventive medicine is, 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 is better than uh, medicine that's trying to be used to, to, to cure the body. I mean, if you can prevent and ward off the disease, you're better off than trying to cure it once it hits you. Hence, my use of Cofix RX, kids. Boom, I just slid that one right in there. Didn't even, didn't even mean for that to happen. But that's the truth. Uh, you know, Franklin says, you know, wisdom and virtue, That's that's got to be the foundation. Because then you can prevent, in his words, bad habits and vices easier than you can to cure them. And then he goes on. I think, moreover, that talents for the education of youth are the gift of God, and that he on whom they are bestowed, whenever a way is opened for the use of them, is as strongly called as if he heard a voice from heaven. Uh, And that's that's the founding of of Penn. That's the founding of, of the University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania University. That's what it's. That's that it's that's its foundation. That's its structure. That's uh, that's its heritage. And and look where we are to the point now where I am here on the radio questioning the values of the university. The fact that Miss McGill has resigned does nothing for me. Doesn't answer a blooming thing. I wanna I wanna hear the position. I'm like the the Wharton advisory board. The university needs to clarify its position. And, and then allowing her to resign on her own terms is not disciplined. She's not being disciplined at all. And then Harvard. I mean, what about Harvard? What in the world? Um, 
I mean, you know, we I've talked about Harvard before. Um, you know, we know we know Harvard's history. Um, you know, and uh, David Barton has a book. It's called Four Centuries of American Education. Fantastic book. It's just a little thing. It's a quick little read. I mean, it's probably only 50 pages. He doesn't go into a lot of detail, but there's this one paragraph here that is that is striking. He says, indisputably, our early educational system was remarkable. And he's, he's right, it was remarkable. He goes on, and since an ancient axiom accurately notes, here's, here's the ancient axiom. The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And he says, since that, that axiom was really at play in early education, uh, it's appropriate to examine closely the educational philosophy that produced the longest ongoing constitutional republic in the history of the world. There was a particular educational philosophy in the beginning when these you know, grand and glorious uh, universities were started. There was a particular philosophy. Uh, Harvard was one of the schools that trained a number of, of our, our leaders. Listen to the list of leaders that came out of Harvard. Uh, signers of the Declaration, John Adams, John Hancock, Samuel Adams, William Ellery, William Hooper, Robert Treat Payne, William Williams, Elbridge Jerry, signers of the Constitution, William Samuel Johnson, Rufus King, uh, Fisher Adam or Fisher Ames uh, was one of the framers of the Bill of Rights. Matter of fact, he it was his language that gave us the the, the First Amendment. He came out of Harvard. Uh, William Cushing, an original justice on the Supreme Court, he came out of Harvard. Uh, Timothy Pickering, he was a general during the Revolutionary War. He was uh, Washington's Secretary of War. He was John Adams' Secretary of War. He came out of Harvard. Uh, Harvard gave us some, some amazing, amazing people. But it was Harvard's educational philosophy in the beginning that gave us these individuals. Again, we know the history. Harvard's founded in 1636 after a donation of property and his library from, from Reverend John Harvard. The university is named after a Bloomin' minister. I shouldn't call him Bloomin'. Um, I take that back, Reverend Harvard. I don't, you're not blooming. I mean, I guess he could be blooming in a in you know in a good sense intellectually. I mean, all right, you get my point. 1636, Harvard is started because a, a minister donates property and his library. Listen to the motto. The motto of Harvard. Uh, they've got two mottos here. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Barton's book. I'm also looking at America's Guide and Country that William J. Federer wrote. But here's what Barton says. Harvard began with two mottos, for Christ and the church and for the glory of Christ. Yep, yep. Can you believe that? Christo et ecclesia. For the glory of Christ. 
No, that one was for Christ in the church. Ecclesia is Greek for church. Christo et ecclesia, for Christ in the church. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's um, and Christi Gloriam. That is for the glory of Christ. The, that was the motto. That's the foundation of Harvard. Uh, like Franklin, they believed in educating in wisdom and in truth. And they gave us some of the most brilliant men of the day to lead us in our declaration to freedom. Many of them came out of Harvard. The word veritas is still on the college seal at Harvard. The word veritas, we've talked about this here, it means divine truth. Uh, do, do you think Harvard still believes in, in, in divine truth? Uh, at Harvard, the following inscription remains on the wall by the old iron gate, the main entrance. Here's what it says. After God had carried us safe to New England, and we had builded our houses, provided necessities for our livelihood, reared convenient places for God's worship, and settled the civil government, one of the next things we longed for and looked after was to advance learning and perpetuate it to posterity dreading to leave an illiterate ministry to the churches when our present ministers lie in the dust. We wanted literate people to lead, and specifically ministers. That was the whole point. The whole point was I, I just wisdom and virtue. That was the educational philosophy back in the day. That's That's what our our great universities were founded on. They wanted to teach the kids wisdom and teach them virtue. And our great universities today have veered so far off the course, we don't even recognize them. Unrecognizable they are to the point now where we want clarification on their position. Uh, is it harassment to call for the genocide of a group of people? I can't even believe we're asking for clarification. I can't even believe it. Uh, look, I don't even mean to, to be sensational about this, and I'm not trying to make a big deal out of something just so I can you know, drum up an audience. That's not, that's not happening here. Uh, I, you know, but this is just me and my own shock, my own awe. All right, we are up against it, up against the clock here. Thank you for joining me. That's all the time we have today. I wish we had more. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.